We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Chicken tender. I'm still upset that I missed that. You of course, now it that. doesn't matter because I had to start it over anyway. But yeah. Whatever. Technical difficulties. That's the story of the weekend. Right. Right. It's been, yeah. They come with owner's manuals, but, yeah. Nobody got time for that. Nobody got time for that. Yeah. I could YouTube it. Bring us in, Kyle. Um, you, you always tell me that, and I'm always, like, taken aback. Like, what am I going to say? I feel like a... Like a newscaster. Good evening. Here's the news. No. <laughs> um, we are with Harvest Trail Journey. Again. Again. Aaron Roy and Starson Roy with... Well, you didn't have it when we came last time, right? Nope. This Your is a new back, brand. Backyard butcher brand. Yes. Um, and... Had a heck of a dinner. I know, right? So, so I got this idea because we were coming down to podcast for the weekend. Yep. And we thought, hey, we should get a hold of Aaron and Starson and see what they've got going on because it's been a while since we last uh, did a podcast with them. And then I thought, you know what? I've got Barbary sheep in the freezer. I've got deer in the freezer. I was hoping to get my hands on some bison. Because we, that would have been cool. We harvested a bison or took a bison right before we came, uh, right before I came down. But they wanted to let it hang, so I didn't get any of it yet. Probably, but but I feel like some back straps would have been pretty good. I'm pretty sure hanging it's too okay. too long. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure we should have figured it out. On it wasn't own. my bison. <laughs> the problem is it wasn't my bison. I was just helping out, you know. Um, well, thank goodness you brought what you did because that was amazing. It was I really think good. If we would have had one more thing. This podcast may not have happened. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there that might have been food comas. I tend I tend out. to do that. I tend to be like, oh, I have this, and I should do. Oh, I have this as well. So, like, I got into my freezer, and I'm like, well, I'll just bring steaks. And then I'm like, yeah, but there's those cheddar brats. And then I look again, I'm like, yeah, and there's those meatballs. And then I look again, I'm like, oh, and there's summer sausage. Yep. Just take <laughs> it, throw it all in. We, we had the same conversation last night <clears throat> when you were telling me, or when we were deciding what to thaw out and, and what to leave frozen. Yeah. And we were just like, yeah, we should just do all of that. <laughs> it was the right decision. It was <laughs> the right decision. Without There's any one of us that are Without sad about that happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think we just, we'd be crazy not to have this be a regular, yeah. <laughs> at least an annual podcast. Yeah, yes. oh, I'm hoping for better than that. Yeah, right? biannual. No, um, biannual means skipping a year. Gosh, we definitely no. can't do that. No, that was that was delicious. Um, it ought to be by no, that's that's right. Semi-annual is semi. Year. No, I think so. Bi- semi. Bi- oh, biannual gosh. is every two. 
Would you be skipping a year? No, biannual is every six months. That's right. Well, biannual, no, biannual would be every two years. Because yeah, biweekly, when you get paid biweekly, you get paid every two weeks. Yes, you're skipping. You're having a bi-week. So biannual would so be every two years. So bi-yearly would be. Semi-annual would be twice a year, wouldn't it? See, we had just enough meat to confuse our brains that much. So <laughs> <laughs> Have some more whiskey. I don't think right I've ever had okay. like that much <laughs> problem trying to figure out. It's what bi- is, what bi- all four people can't figure it out? That's rare. It's got to be every two. Siri. Where's Siri? Yeah. She wouldn't shut up. Well, where are you? Where are you now, Siri? <laughs> hey Siri, what does biannual mean? Every two years, that's what. It's got to be every no, two years. Biweekly is yeah. every we'll two weeks. I get paid bi-weekly. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Because every like, this this has four, got to four be, years. This has got to it, be or four times the a year. Biggest quarterly. squirrel we have ever went on. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I my mind is absolutely drawn to blank on what the term is. For People are going to be like screaming at the radio. You idiots! Biannual, oh, sure okay, biannual, occurring twice a year. That that does not make sense. It's bi-weekly. Sense. Then who made bi-weekly? this up? I don't know. Yeah. All right. So well, it is English, it. so <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> you do a lot of things. It is true. Right. True enough. Or well, I'm, I'm thinking my company correctly. needs owes me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> twice a week, you, twice a week. you ought to be paying me twice a week. <laughs> no, bi-weekly, every two weeks. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Welcome to all. the English language. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I was going off of common sense. I'm sorry. I was wrong. <laughs> I I was pretty sure biannual meant twice a year, but I. It does. It does. All right. Should half of us win, half of us not so much. Oh, well. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining <laughs> on this week's edition of Webster's Does It Again. <laughs> <laughs> on this week's edition of Let's Check Google. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be the first time we've ever, ever uh, had to go to the to the smartphone to answer a question. Like, at like, least on at, at least, least that you know air. about. Yeah, yeah we, we do it all the time. Yeah. It's pretty rare that they four people can't, can't like get on but, the same page right. to figure something out. To be but. fair, two of them have been drinking. It's true. Yeah, I was riding my Kyle. What does that make? Yeah, us? conversation. I know, I was I was say, still don't get it. She hasn't been. Well, I we have were been. Half. We were on the same page. You haven't been. He has been. Every other year, I was thinking twice a year. So. So fifty like percent. So yeah. by drunkly, by drunkly, two drinks. Yep. So, um, yeah. What's been happening, guys? A lot has been happening. Goodness, we turned our world upside down, and I thought you guys were busy before. Yeah, I just wanted to see how much I could put on our plate. I just want to see how much we could put on our plate before we finally said that's it. What's the the straw that's going to break the camel? What's the limit? I don't know. No, we're still go ahead and get all the way there, and then just one step back, and you're good. I think that you know what though that is definitely my tendency in life. Right. Yes. Yeah, I like to push it to the edge and then find out where the cliff is, put my toe over it, and then see if I'm going to tip over, and then okay, well let's back off a little bit. I wonder if I could employ that with my bucket mouth. Let's see how much I'm going to have to say to piss them off and then just back it off a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say this tactic <laughs> probably is not the healthiest way to go yeah. about things in life. Come back in a year and let's the talk about this again. The problem is she can back of off from what she's doing <laughs> you can't and not say have what's that already long-lasting effect. Yeah. You, <laughs> once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. That's true. That's, That's true. like saying, 
Yeah, never mind. I stand by what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember what month you were here? Because all I know is that it's like almost opposite looking outside yes. than when it was. So um, it was it was nice I'm, summer, July, August? I'm feeling like it. Maybe even September. Not it September. Was, okay. Because no, y'all were moving. Not late so July. We, 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 was, okay. we was killing stuff in September. I want to um, say late July. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it was super green. In fact, we tried to do the majority of the podcast outside, and we were underneath the pergola, and yep. things were green, and we were, we ate dinner outside, yep. and now, I don't know, it's probably 40 degrees spring weather, and it's a lot of brown yeah. outside. The fire's going, yep. though. We're sitting on the couch. Which is crazy, because yesterday it was so nice. It was like 70 yeah. degrees yesterday. Oh, my goodness sakes. Yeah. Yep. So Welcome to New Mexico weather. Yeah, exactly. Springtime. Springtime. For sure. Up, down, that up, doesn't down. Matter. It doesn't matter. Springtime, summertime. I had a snow on me in June. That's true. So yeah. You were in the high country. Mm. The snow doesn't go away. So yeah, Star and I have a lot going on. In fact, we actually have a name for our homestead, which not very many people know about this. You guys w- might be some of, uh, actually the first outside of our family that yeah. know. So we're releasing it on your podcast. Oh, excellent. Breaking news. Breaking news. (laughs) (laughs) So we named it South Mountain Homestead. Nice. Um, This mountain that comes when you look um, out of our kitchen window, which is one of my favorite views from our homestead, is South Mountain. Standalone. Yep. Kind of off Standalone peak by itself. Yep. Um, And it's private owned ranch land. So that's kind of awesome to us, too, to know that. Some one person owns that, and Very nice. uh, yep. So that was something you know. Trying to name your place is just a hard deal, and so it took us a long time. We've it's actually very important when naming your ranch or your place in, especially in New Mexico, because I've had this conversation with lots of people. You can tell when someone from from out of state comes in and, and buys a place and names it. It's usually Texans because they're the ones who usually come in and buy it because um, you know tip, typical ranch usually goes by either the family name or by the brand you know the T.O. the U.U. bar things like that but you have these out of staters come in and buy something and that becomes the um, painted pony ranch <laughs> <laughs> so the name is very important right it is important <laughs> wedding, yeah the wedding cake ranch is that, that well that one's actually that one's actually valid because of there's a there's a hill out there that is, looks like a wedding cake oh, okay well, it's like the, the bell ranch yes it's a landmark yeah. it's yeah. uh the brand the family name a landmark something that is distinctive to that ranch um not not the painted pony or the you know yeah. The I'm Soaring Eagle one. Ranch. <laughs> right. Well, and because, you know, Star is in Starson's name and all of his kiddos' names, you know, we were trying to find something, like you said, along the family name, too, to figure that out. And there was nothing that was just really sticking. But then with the landmark, and we know people out here in our area know where that is. Mm-hmm. We also bounced around something like with Tumbleweed because we live off of Tumbleweed Road. And Frost Road is right next to us, too, so maybe that, but we ended up sticking with... You didn't go go with Frosty Tumbleweed? (laughs) Frosty Tumbleweed. I knew someone was going to say that. Which, actually, Frosty Tumbleweed is pretty cool looking. (laughs) But that's a long name to put on stuff. That is a long name. (laughs) Try Nada Grande. Yeah. 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 Nada Grande Outdoors.com. Your logo is awesome, though. It works really well. So we haven't even released the the logo at all because nobody knows that we've 
named the homestead itself. And it does add that extra like, oh, well, so are you South Mountain Homestead and all your stuff now? But the only time we'll use that is if we decide to sell products from here. So yeah. if we're selling baked goods or something, um, eggs, that stuff, we'll probably get some stickers made and put it on our aprons and stuff so that people know that that is associated with our property name. But the Harvest Trail is still going to encompass what we are doing now, which is different than it was last time you were here. So Star and I... I specifically literally had to come to Jesus Talk around Christmas and was just like, I don't want to do anything off of the homestead. And anything that I was doing off of it was to support what I wanted to do on the homestead anyway. Mm -hmm. And then it became this thing where I felt guilty when I was doing stuff on the homestead. Because of obligations you had off the homestead. Yes. And then I was unhappy when I was doing the stuff off the homestead. So then I had 0% satisfaction in my life. And so I was like, okay, God, like, what is my plan? Because you tell us we're able to find joy in our lives. Where is that? And how can I still provide for my family? Because that's a big aspect to it, too. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do my own thing and, and put everything on Sarson's back to um, take care of it. So I then had a come to Jesus talk with my husband <laughs> after mm. that talk. And he was like, I don't care what you do. Whatever, you know, makes you happy in life. And I've told you from day one, which he's right. I put that on myself. And he's like, make it work. He's like, I just have one condition. He's like, you know, you got to keep carrying the animals on your paycheck and, and how you make it work. And I can say I've stayed 90% true to that. <laughs> 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 we do have pigs on the property. And he did he did purchase the piglets for me. and. I'm going to have to pay him back. And like we were talking earlier about charging the kids interest. I think I owe my husband some interest (laughs) (laughs) besides the cash because I told him I wasn't going to do that. But we um, are now going to be teaching classes on the homestead. So that's going to be supporting what we do. So I love to teach. I'm very passionate about passing agriculture on to other people in whatever way they feel that is comfortable. So even if people just want to come hang out for a class and drink some local coffee and eat some pastries and listen as we're talking about stuff. I don't want anyone to ever feel obligated that they have to take home what we teach because there are some classes maybe they can't. Maybe they dream about having chickens, but they live in a subdivision that doesn't allow it, but they can come here and yeah, a condo, but they might want to know how their food is raised if they buy it from us. So it gives them that opportunity. So we're teaching animal husbandry classes, which means how you take care of your animals, how you grow them. We're teaching gardening classes and homesteading classes, which the homesteading courses, really, those will entail how you would start about something like this. Where's the starting point? How do I start as a beginner homesteader? What do those steps look like? What is well, I can imagine that's like, like <clears throat> you know, we have our Hunt It Forward program for new hunters. I can imagine that's just as daunting. I mean, even for for guys like us who are <clears throat> pretty accomplished at what we do, the thought of having a you know, homestead and, and doing sustainable living just off of that place is something that is very appealing, but it is daunting mm-hmm. to think about, okay, where do you even start? And so I, I think that's really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So we're super excited about it, and I'll let Star talk about his different portions and courses that he's offering with his brand, too. Well, I thought I was just the local contract worker building rabbit cages. For we the don't time. tell anybody else that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, rabbits are other new adventure mm. that we started. Oh, rabbits, geese. Mm-hmm. Uh, no maybe ducks now, out. but maybe sometime. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then peacocks, which those are just for pretty. Our lawn ornaments. Yeah, lawn ornaments. Turkeys for breeding, but we do uh, raise turkeys as well. Um, and then tons of chickens. And I think my biggest thing is that I I appreciate the the food processing, knowing your food comes from as a chef, longtime chef, but also um, someone who's hunted and appreciated being able to fabricate your own uh, animals start to finish. Like you know that you get a lot more satisfaction out of actually taking it in your hands and processing it and being able to cook it too. So. Yeah. I'm kind of encompassing all those things, my career, my love, my passion, uh, my wife and I's homestead to also feed that need as well. Because uh, you can know beef cattle all you want and how to fabricate the animal, but we start breaking it down into smaller animals that people can have on a homestead, or they can at least go and purchase a goat or a lamb or a pig that's going to be smaller and something they can handle, and you know, you're not trying to shove 800 pounds of beef into your freezer. It's a little bit more... Uh, obtainable for a lot of people mm-hmm. as long as they're given the instruction and the guidance and i think that's goes back to aaron has the same passion as i do is teaching the whole reason i got into culinary and anything i do is so that i can master something well enough that i can teach and educate for the next generation whether it be my kids or my my sous chefs or my cooks who work for me um or just people i'm around in the restaurant business and i'm teaching them how to further their restaurants from my knowledge that's that's what I get paid for. But it's my passion. My top passion in life is doing it for myself as well. Kind of a, um, uh, it's it's self-sufficing whenever I can actually see, look outside and see the pigs that, oh, yeah, we're going to be processing those in a little bit. But we're going to be teaching a class. We're going to be showing, you know, why we do this, how we do this, uh, making sausage from it, learning how to cook, um, you know, natural naturally raised pork that's actually a heritage breed and it's not the commodity pork that you buy at the restaurant or at the uh, local supermarkets um but it's also you can come as very basic as you want we can do beef subprimals very easy we can do the whole carcass like a pig or a goat or uh turkeys and chickens and just show them the whole process but it it pushes that connection to what your food is why your food is why you're consuming certain foods uh, and appreciation for it. You know, that's one thing is people take a lot of, lot for granted when they think of, well, I just buy a steak at Walmart and pay my thirteen ninety nine a pound and go home. They don't understand that that animal has been cared for through the entire agricultural line for two and a half years to even get close to being on that plate uh, or package for them to buy and take to their house. Mm-hmm. So a lot of God, a lot of nature, and a lot of love from farmers to get it there. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty cool because there's so many things in life that we don't realize that, like you talked about, just going to the supermarket and buying, getting milk or buying steak. Um, and we we talk about it, you know, with going hunting and knowing where your meat comes from in that aspect, you know. And just so sitting here listening to you talk, I got to thinking about it. You know, in my place, I like to build all of my own stuff. I like to build my house so I don't I, I know it's built right and the way I want it and stuff like that. There was a time when that's what you did is you built your life from the ground up. 
everything. You went out and you, you picked your plot of land and you homesteaded it and you built your house and you you plowed your fields and you grew your food and you butchered your own animals. And there was a time when we did all of it. And that was, and it was you and your family that did every aspect of it. And we've gotten so far away from it um, that it's it's really kind of amazing uh, to to stop and think about it that that's the way it used to be and how far away from it we are now. But there's a lot of things that we can do to get back to it. Yeah, I think um, stemming from that thought, that our society's at a po- at a point where where going back to that is not feasible. Our, our population is too big. There's not enough land base to to be mm-hmm. able to do that. But there's so many things that the the technology has come far enough that there's so many things that you can do just even within your own house. Um, things like you know putting putting an herb, herb garden on your wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're absolute proponents of in, in in any small way that you can get connected back to your food. And I'm I'm a huge believer that <clears throat> that in and of itself um, can have the potential to solve so many social divides that we have because we're all connected by food. Mm-hmm. Everybody eats. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a meat eater, if you're a, uh, you know, uh, vegan or a vegetarian. Everybody loves food. Yeah. And we all need food. <laughs> and so that's, I mean, that's just a, a connecting point for, for humans, period. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, that there was so much help that was done between places, too, whenever they were doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were talking about neighbors. building your home. Back in the day, you would have had three or four neighbors that mm-hmm. were building that home alongside with you. And then when it was somebody else's need, okay, I need a barn. Like, let's go build the barn. Mm-hmm. And then well, and it still happens in our, in our rural communities. Yes, you still rely on mm-hmm. your neighbors to do that, especially mm-hmm. in, in our agricultural communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still have neighbors over to come, you know, brand and do spring works and, and fall uh, gathers and shipping and uh, harvests and, and all of that. Um I think that can come back. I think that needs sure. to come back. And I, and I think bartering can be a beautiful part of that, too, on, on a small level. Even, like, I think really something, in a, a niche that can be looked at more in a suburban area is doing rabbits. I think chickens, um, they're fabulous and they're awesome, but rabbits, your input to output is actually better than any other type of meat on a rabbit. And they make zero noise. And you can use their waste immediately on your gardens. And I think that that would be a good starting point for people. And they and they could trade with the ones who are allowed to have the chickens. There's not that regulation. They're not considered livestock either. So kind of explain that a little bit because, um, you know, some of our listeners may not necessarily know. The um, input to output. The input to output. Sure. Um, you know, just to kind of mm, jumpstart that conversation. Chicken manure is great for plants, but it's it's what they call hot. It's mm-hmm. hot. It's very high in nitrates, which will burn your plants or make them wilt. And mm-hmm. So, explain that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Okay. So the we'll break it down kind of piece by piece with rabbits because I, I I really do hope that rabbits start coming back. And in our homesteading world, I think people have been talking about that it that it is. And actually, chefs too. Starson and I realized this. There was a lot of thinking that went behind it in some of the shows that we're watching. Um, hair. 
they call it hair instead of rabbit. I think it has more romance when you call it hair when yeah, it's it on sound, your menu. It sounds much more palatable <laughs> Appealing, when yeah. you call it. It's, it's a Romanian hair stew. Yeah, there you go. So when you're, let's first talk about input to output. That means how much you're spending to feed that rabbit versus the amount of ounces or pounds that you get in meat at the end. So you will spend less to feed out your rabbit per pound of finished weight whenever you're ready to put that rabbit in the stew pot than you would a lamb, than you would your pig, than you would the steak that you want to buy. Uh, just overall, they're cheaper to raise than any other animal is the simplest way to put it. And uh, the other benefit is, um, as Kyle mentioned, that they have the ability to put their manure directly onto your garden right away so you're not having to use fertilizer throughout the year. You don't have to have a storage place like you do with chicken manure. Chicken manure, horse manure, cow manure, you need to let it sit for six months before you put it on your plants or you risk it burning it, which means it just is going to wilt away into nothing and crispify your leaves. And so all that work in your garden goes bye-bye really fast. So no, no storage on the manure. Um, and you can give it away to your friends. And the smell is still, it smells like, you know, if you've been to a petting zoo and you smelled the goats, I mean, it's there. It, that part of it is there. So to us, yeah, it yeah, is a livestock. Don't, <laughs> don't kid yourself. You want to get into, into home <laughs> setting. It, mm-hmm. it, you're dealing with animals. You're dealing with uh, dirty and occasionally offensive smells. (laughs) (laughs) We have disclosures at the bottom of our website, which our friends think are really funny. Um, But it's honest. You know, animals here are going to do animal things. There's going to be animal smells and animal behaviors and animal noises. And um, be prepared when you come to be a part of that because we're going to immerse you in it. Some classes a little bit more than others. (laughs) And so, actually... um, I, I don't know how much you guys go into this, but there—I mean, there's even more that you can do with those rabbits. And if you really wanted to get into it, you could tan the hides, and you can. Oh, we would. Yes, that's a plan. Actually, we have re- a registered breed out there called Rex. Mm-hmm. Uh, their breed is the softest type of rabbit hair that is available out there. So it's a reason that we pulled one because they're smaller than some of your other typical. Uh, meat rabbits mm-hmm. so we wanted to kind of get into both aspects of those so we'll be kind of crossing some of those and what do you guys pl- what do you guys plan to do with the, that stuff it will be going into the freezer until we figure out how to do it so i guess that we that's an aspect that we're going to have to learn yeah <laughs> or we're going to have to sell them as frozen to someone that wants to take those wants and do it themselves those. time like we talked about before has become even more precious now mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i'm not sure that that's something that we want to quite take on or maybe that's something that we barter with right you know in the future um or give away until we figure out what's going to happen with it because i'm not necessarily sure i want that to take up our freezer space sure. either but we are all about being sustainable and using every part of the animal as possible the other thing that we are definitely into more so than we were before is regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. Now explain what that is. Yes. That's a, so that's a buzzword right now. But it I is don't know a buzzword. Really, I, mean, yeah. I don't know if most people understand what it is. Yeah. So regenerative agriculture is using pasture-raised animals to build your topsoil. It's kind of the most basic way to put that so and using cover crops as well because you don't necessarily have to use animals but if you do it makes your life a lot easier 
So you're taking your animals and letting them spend shorter amounts of time on different parts of your land so that they don't turn it into moonscaping, Mm -hmm. which in New Mexico is so easy to turn it into moonscaping. So you're very careful about the limited time that you let those animals spend in one spot and then they move along so that they're depositing fertilizer. They are disrupting the top part of your soil, which actually causes um, more grass growth. Yeah, it brings it more seeds. aeration. It mm-hmm. uh, breaks that topsoil tension so that seeds mm-hmm. can find, uh, for lack of a better time, find, find purchase there you within go. the soil. Right. And um, water. Yeah. It, the water retention, it opens up water retention too, it so your oils. To soak in. Yes. Your soil will hold more water per acre too whenever you start doing this. So we have pigs that are out on pasture rotation right now. Uh, and we're also going to have rabbits that are going to be out on rotation. And then eventually we'll add in more meat chickens that will be out on rotation as well. So in about a month, I already have the seed out there. We're going to be putting down some cover crop seeds and then the summer we'll come back and do grasses. What kind of cover crops? It is a, a seed blend mix that um, our friend Kevin Branham came up with us. He has access to three or four different seed companies, and he can do different blends for small farmers, which there are not very many places out there No, that will because it's really not cost effective for most places it's to hand not. out seed for small acreage. No. It's just not. And then if it, if they are able to do it, it's going to cost that small farmer an arm and a leg. We paid $75 for two acres worth of seed. Um, it has radishes. Radishes are a root vegetable, of course. So they break open the soil it has different, um, kale. And I think there's probably five other seed mixes that I don't know, but I trust Kevin enough to that knows my property. He takes the time to look up your zip code so he knows what zone you're in, asks you about what your plans are, and actually goes on Google Earth and takes a, a look at the map. Um, and then he'll be out here next Saturday face-to-face to do some time. And he meets with producers all over the state That's to awesome. talk to them about what they're doing. And he can do... Um, as small as a half an acre, I believe, of seed out. I mean, he's handing it. We were at the organic conference a couple of weeks ago, and he's handing out Ziploc bags full of stuff. So I think he can go smaller <laughs> than that, too. Uh, you know, if there's people that are wanting to put that cover crop even on your garden because you can add nutrients back into your soil mm-hmm. in small areas using cover crop. And anytime you have naked soil, you're going to have two things that are going to happen for sure. Weed seed's going to be introduced by the wind. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose that topsoil to the wind and it's going to dry out. And all those happy little microbes in there go into uh, dormancy. I like to talk about microbes and soil health like yeast. Yeah. You need to feed it. Yeah. It's got to be in a happy environment for that to work. So, so there's actually your long answer. <laughs> it's actually interesting um, that you bring that up. There's actually some studies that have, that have come out recently about um, this regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. and in, in those studies, they were using cattle, but how cattle have been bringing back or restoring um, desert places mm-hmm. um, to more lush areas because they retain that water, which yep. is pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, hoofed animals are extremely important. And this, so hoofed animal, I mean, that goes, you know, deer and elk traipsing through land too. So you cut off land access 
to your hooved animals, you are doing a disservice to your property as much as you think that you're helping it by let, letting your grass grow to freedom mm. in the long run. It's, it's not a good thing. And they talk about, you know, I, we can get deep into this conversation and, and talk about emissions and how everybody said cattle's a problem. But if you think about how many bison used to run this country, countryside, mm-hmm. um, millions. millions, millions, and they were carbon sequestrant, which means that they were actually helping the issue instead of causing the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting now how our public is interpreting what's going on and yeah. causing the issues with agriculture well so uh, an interesting side thought this you know about the crp program no which is a program with um i think i believe it's nrcs where they pay ranchers Mm. and farmers not to use their ground (laughs) and i've always said well that's weird why would you not want to use that ground and if you've ever seen a crp field it's just dead grass mm. that nothing new grows because the grass grows up and then it dies and then you don't have any you don't have anything come up uh, you know beneath it and i've never really understood that program but yeah i think you know soil health it was actually Rest, resting resting a place is good yes Oh, that's totally different, right? But it's it's a it's a shorter amount of time. Uh-huh. So you're running animals for short periods of time, depending on what your land looks like. That could be as little as two days to, depending on how many animals you're running per acre, that can dictate it too. But it could be a couple days to a week, usually not more than 10 days before you're hopping them along to the next place. And it can make a, a huge difference on what's going on on your land. But if you do let them sit there, you have the opposite effect of the moonscaping. And I think that's kind of what a lot of us see too. When we think about horses, especially because they can be so damaging to land. And because that is our interpretation, especially suburban people of what agriculture is, they see horses and it's moonscaped, which means no vegetation at all. It's easy to apply that to what you think cattle would do. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, you know, the environmentalists with their studies coming out and saying, Hey, you guys are disrupting little mouse that only lives on the side of this riparian area so we're going to lock you out of it mm. and so it's hard to get the whole story about what's going about on i heard get, a snicker over here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but there so we were at again back to the organic conference there's a gal in front of me at line and, and we just started talking she's a soil scientist she said she never ever ever thought about the animal aspect of soil health until she took a job where she's now working with animal agriculture as a soil biologist. And it just amazed me that she could get through an entire college, right? She, she's a PhD. Mm-hmm. So that is six to eight years of college and then work in a professional setting. And she said it too. She was like, my head was in the microscope. So as a scientist within that, she was coming up and spitting out exactly what she saw was just very blinders on. This mm-hmm. is what happens. And so she kind of lived in her little bubble. I think we tend to do that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. yep. We've had that conversation numerous times within the past 24 to 48 hours, I right. guess. <laughs> um, talking about, and, and it'll, it won't seem like that because we'll, we'll, release these podcasts over 
a span of time, so um, maybe actually the message will be better because it's going over more of a period of time. But um, how we have every, we have so many special interest groups, and and they get so focused on the, their one thing that they really care about, and um, something as you know like a mule deer. Well, I want habitat for mule deer. Will you understand that there are other animals within that ecosystem that still use that same area? So you should also take that into account. Yeah, it's an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. System. (laughs) There's there's a lot that goes into it. You know, not it's not one thing. You know, Um, and it's, it's amazing how many fields this covers. You know, like we we deal a lot with the hunting world. Um, and we really didn't think we was going to get into this, but private land, public land, it's a system. Mm-hmm. They have to work together for the betterment of the wildlife. It's not one or the other. Uh, and it's, we find that to be a, a common problem that the two sides can't get together and do what's best for the system, mm-hmm. for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and then you, on the other side of it, you have the people who think it's it it has to everything has to hinge around the system and you need to remove humans. No, humans no, are part of we the are system. Part of the system. <laughs> They're part of I it. I think we forget a that a lot. We forget it or we try and try and exclude yeah. it mm-hmm. or blame ourselves for things. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, we've been a part of the system forever. Mm-hmm. You, you can't take us out of the system. Right. There's just no way to do it. Um, and. It would be off balance if you did do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, so tell us about about your classes. Kind of what what your focus is, um, what you got coming up for classes, where they can find your information, all that fun stuff. So the harvesttrail dot com is where you can find all of our information, and we have them listed out according to subject matter. So. Chickens is covered underneath its own courses. Gardening is covered under its own. Home setting is starts and stuff with the butchery. The classes that we have with gardening kind of go through what's going on in the season. So that's pretty easy to follow along with. We just had seed starting, for example, tree pruning, which is good to happen in February. Mm-hmm. And yesterday's classes were on seed starting, propagation, garden planning, all that stuff just happened within the last two weeks. And then we have coming up raised bed garden building and stars going out of town. So we're taking a little bit of a break too, but three Saturdays a month we'll be covering classes. And then star actually has his first class coming up in April. Mm -hmm. You want to tell me about that class? Our uh, beef one oh one. So it's just an introductory to butchery. And so we start with a beef sub primal. We're going to be doing a um, beef ribeye whole lip on sub primal. And just showing people how to cut it into steaks, how to trim it, <clears throat> kind of what to expect if you were to go get this from, um, you know, a butcher like Keller's or somewhere who you go buy a whole prime rib from. And just be able to feel confident about cutting their own steaks. And then uh, we're also going to do uh, chickens, that portion, of just taking, you know, just whole chickens and cutting them up at eight piece or nine piece and kind of just showing the different ways you could French the thighs and do airline chicken breasts or whole butterflies and just uh, some basic terminology about chickens. Um, then from there, we're going to get on the grill and put it to use. Here's what you've done. 
here's how to cook it properly we're going to have a good lunch uh, and then of course show them around you know the farm and kind of what we do and why we do this so it'll be a nice little introduction easy uh, you get to play with sharp knives and <laughs> nice <laughs> and get to have access to all kinds of uh, seasonings and yeah we just get to have fun on the grill and uh, get to do you know the beginning process all the way through and <laughs> people really seem to enjoy that portion. You actually of it. you have a class before that. What's You're one forgetting before one? that? Beef jerky. Oh yeah. Yes. Who doesn't love yeah. that? That's my jerky. kind of class right Learn there. Learn to make jerky. That's his first class. That actually, one, I think my kids can teach this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I've been doing for the last couple of years is I'll just take a whole bunch of like eye around or top inside around and I'll just slice it up after I partially freeze it at work and bag it into five-pound bags, and I'll just bring it home, and I'll just give them a bag. Here's your jerky meat, and I'll pull out all the sauces, and they just make their own jerky marinade. They let it sit overnight. They each got their own dehydrators, and they dehydrate, and then they either take it, and, and I never see it again, or at least they leave us a little <laughs> bit here for us to taste. Sometimes it depends on the day. Uh, but it's it's actually gotten them some good bartering. At school, they've uh, actually traded teachers for cookies. Nice. It was incredible to see jerky traded for cookies from mm-hmm. a teacher. Um, but it's something that it's something easy that you can go and you can ask a butcher to cut up for you and make yeah. your own jerky. Uh, but it gets them back into the aspect of you know instead of paying nine dollars for you know two ounces of beef jerky, um, you know from the, <laughs> from the convenience store, it's something they can take and share. And that's one thing I like about jerkies. I just take a whole ziploc gallon bag of it and i just go and start handing out to people because that's how i share you know my craft and my passion so jerky is a good place to start uh we got some crazy hot sauces i've been collecting Mm -hmm. for years there'll be a marinade bar involved Mm, and star's gonna teach them to you know the different cuts to use for jerky because even like me i have no idea (laughs) on the wife and nope nope you left i would have no idea what was going to be used for jerky so I think that's a, a good part of it to do too is to know what to ask for to use for jerky. Yep. Yeah, because you can't just use uh, ribeyes for jerky. But you could. You could, <laughs> but you better not use a very good ribeye because too much fat also gets very, you know, greasy mm-hmm. and and mealy in the uh, in the mix. So it's just finding that good balance. Um, so we're going to experiment a couple different cuts that that way they can see each cut. We'll, of course, explain where it comes from, what side of the animal. Is it a you know high movement muscle or is it a low kind of involuntary muscle? And the striations and, you know, get into all the, the meat geek side of it, I like nice. to explain. Uh, and, yeah, just let them really play with it. Do a couple different flavors, a couple different cuts, and they get to make their own decision what they like and why. Cool. And they get to take two pounds of, of meat to... Uh, leave for us to dehydrate yep. for them yeah we'll, we'll either mail them the yeah. the finisher or take it to them directly so they get pretty good takeaway awesome. from that <laughs> class because i think yeah. how much uh is that course then i remember what are the fees for your course yeah you know? i mean so taking two pounds of meat home was yeah that class is only 65 bucks and you get an entire marinade bar to choose from Plus access to the chef and you're hanging out yeah. here. Yeah. That's pretty. So pretty good deal. Pretty good pretty deal. Good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love making jerky. 
I, I make a lot of it. Most. Did you say you like? You love he loves bacon, bacon jerky. jerky. <laughs> no, I love. It's like, bacon. isn't that what? I don't make bacon. bacon is kind of. <laughs> I'm gonna eat bacon. Like, when I eat bacon, I eat bacon. <laughs> uh, no, I love making jerky. Um, I make a lot of burger jerky. Um, but I like burger the, jerky. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where you tube it. Yeah, yep. where you tube it. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Like you said, it's extremely expensive, and when we go on a hunt, it's a great snack. It is. Uh, while hunting, and so I generally make quite a bit before each hunting season. Well, and that's, you know, coming back to, we talked about this on a different podcast with Wild Game, um, but same with uh, homesteading or, or sustainable agriculture. Um, those animals can last you quite a long while and take you yep. into the next season. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that traditionally, that's that's what jerky was. Jerky mm-hmm. and, and pemmican were uh, made during the summertime for so that you could have a protein source over the wintertime when, when those sources were likely going to be scarce. Um, that's those same rules ap- apply, and it's a great great way to, to preserve that meat mm-hmm. um, to enjoy kind of throughout the year yeah and i haven't uh, ventured into canned meat yet i know that you can can your own meat that was that was a big thing kind of back in the depression and yep. and, mm-hmm. and some of those days and i think it's you know for for a reason we didn't they didn't have the freezers they didn't have the way to store stuff like we do now mm-hmm. and so canning what curing and canning was a way to preserve that meat so that you could use it throughout the year i know uh, a lot of the old timers who I mean, they swear by it. They love the canned, the canned meat. Um, well, you're getting different nutrients whenever you're doing right. preservation of food, too. And science is finding out how much we're lacking by not eating fermented foods. So I know you don't really want to ferment your meat, but no, I think just keeping that. <laughs> can <laughs> ferment a lot of other things to eat with that jerky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it does crowd. go hand in hand, yeah. yeah, that that's something that you put away in your cellar yeah Yeah, right alongside the other preserved goods we'll be teaching that with the you know the homestead and the sustainable agriculture is you know all those tomatoes and um Mm -hmm. the cucumbers and you know we can and we pickle and And canning is almost a lost art yeah Yeah. it is Mm -hmm. it is we've got a great resource for that uh our mother-in-law is oh my mom i was gonna say yeah That's what I remember growing up is we'd have, I got so sick of green beans because we'd haul load after load after load of green beans into the house and then it was, it was the canning process. I think what people are figuring out as they get back into this kind of romance, what they think is romance of gardening and, and it is too, there's so much joy to be had in it, but is, is that physical labor too, is they get excited about growing green beans. So they go buy the six pack at Lowe's and they take it home and they plant it and they end up with enough green beans to last a family of four for three days. Yeah. You're like, man, I thought I was going to grow enough green beans that were going to be able to last me through the season. So then you're kind of learning, okay, I need to plant 40 times that much. So either you find more land to do that or you barter something else that you can grow in your small space yeah. and you grow it and learn how to preserve it from that. And I think there are enough people that are on that cusp to say, okay, yes, I want to grow my own food. Now I figured out I need to grow this much. Now, how do I preserve that? 
besides shoving it in a Ziploc baggie, because I'm also guilty of that, and putting it in my freezer. And then your husband comes home and he's like, why is a fourth of my freezer full of Ziploc bags of tomatoes and green beans? (laughs) (laughs) And that, that takes electricity. So are you really being sustainable at that point by shoving more stuff into your freezer? Yeah. And are you getting the nutritional benefit? Yes. But they're, like I said a minute ago, the fermentation processes also offer those different nutrients that, that they're finding we're lacking. Um, two things you were talking about kind of mm, jarred some some thought processes in my head. Sometimes it takes a little bit of jarring <laughs> to get the, the stuff rolling, but... Um, have have you guys looked at aquaponics at all? Mm-hmm. Oh, you that guys, was a fun experiment. <laughs> what, did you guys try it? That was we did. We oh. tried hydroponics. Oh, hydroponics. That's what I mean. Yes. Well, so that same as oh no, aquaponics no aquaponics. Is, you have fish involved in the process, and they're actually feeding your plants, so that you're not adding any additives in. Yeah. I think that when you start doing inputs to your process, you are a no longer eating organic. Or you're charging yourself a heck of a lot of money to do a process that, that you can do cheaper. So we try not to do a lot of inputs, A, because we can't afford it, and B, because we have animals that can do the work for us without having to spend money, and I want to spend my money on other things. So hydroponics are definitely not the best fit for us um, because we don't. it is an absolutely awesome, amazing science that I don't want to learn. <laughs> I have an awesome appreciation for it because I made Starson build me a hydroponic system. And we, you know, we're having to test the water two times a day. And then because we live in a dry and arid climate, you really couldn't go anywhere because you had to make sure that your system was full and flowing. And you really should start all of your seeds from start to finish in this specific type of growing medium that's meant for hydroponics. We didn't do that either. I was rinsing dirt off of um, transplants bought at the store or stuff that I had started and putting them in, which does work. I mean, we had some stuff, but if you are dealing with, and this is across the board, if you are dealing with a lot of pests on your plants, most likely that is because your plants are stressed because nutrient dense plants are actually not as appetizing to pests as stuff that is under duress. So our stuff was definitely under duress. I had some weird pests that I have never seen in my life (laughs) and I've never again seen in my life since we did the hydroponics. So it was kind of a cool experiment that we got to see how hard it is. And I think it's awesome that people have dialed that in, but I rather use a more natural process. The aquaponics to me, is again amazing but because we live in a place where we guard our water pretty harshly um and you have a lot more evaporation anytime you're opening up surface area to uh, evaporation i'm not sure if that is the smartest way to grow in the desert yeah but i'm not i i really haven't done the science research behind it to do it but i think again that's pretty cool because it's a closed system you're not putting inputs into it yeah Second, second random thought. Um, I've always been kind of a fan of it, but but it's difficult to do these days. You guys are always talking about the barter, and um, do you guys have a pretty strong barter community around here? <laughs> we create our own barter. Created system. your own. I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure how much it exists outside of this, but um, yeah, we barter a lot. Yeah. A lot. 
well, the last vehicle we got, mm-hmm. and uh, the engine I got out there, I did partial barter on. So, and it's just, first of all, knowing that, you know, you do have something that is a value. Mm-hmm. Like we have, you know, steaks and, and meat and things that people see as a high high price commodity. So, um, like for the Durango that we got out there, a little truck, you know, it was pretty cheap anyway. It was only 450 bucks. But, you know, we go in and talk to them and, well, this is wrong with it. And just have a conversation and, uh, you know, ask them if they like steaks and, <laughs> and like some other <laughs> wild game products. Uh, if they do, I'm like, well, I'd, I like your offer, but I'd like to offer you this. But, you know, I'll give you a lower price, but I'll give you this much money or this much value uh, in some pre-cut steaks and some products, some uh, sausages and some other things. And, you know, they always perk up that, oh, wait, you're offering me less, but you're giving me more? Okay, I like that. Let's do that. Yeah. And I've never been turned down on a on a barter. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would be good at that, Rodney. <laughs> there's there's some potential there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerky talks. Right. right. <laughs> no lie, right there. You can you can trade an awful lot with jerky. I'm mm-hmm. telling jerky you, is a high valued uh, trade commodity for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that I have been turned down for bartering, but I'm not afraid to ask anybody for anything with the bartering. And I think that has to come with it. You have to be okay if, if someone says no and yeah. just be like, oh, okay, and then move on. You're either okay with paying the cash or, or you're not. But, um, you know, bartered for eggs and chickens and turkeys and um Half of our garden plants that went in last year were traded for a heritage breed turkey that we grew out for another master gardener in the area because I don't have enough space here to grow my own transplants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, two weeks before Christmas, I went and took her her turkey, and she said that's the best she ever had. And she called me this year and said, hey, are you up for bartering again? So that was pretty cool. I didn't even need to make the phone call. It came back around. And I think if you have that type of product and you provide the service, the customer service that also goes along with it and in this case that's friendship it it is different because Mm -hmm. it it is bartering is more of a of a face-to-face and and building that trust and that relationship with what you have and being involved in your community and talk about grassroots marketing (laughs) (laughs) yeah bartering is it yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, over craigslist communication Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) Husband forgets. (laughs) See, that's why I've never been turned down, as I do in person with meat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, instead of just back and forth on the internet. I'm trying to think if I've done a purely internet deal with with bartering. I bet I have, because I... Seriously, every single thing I would, I would thing be surprised if you hadn't, (laughs) to to be honest. Sometimes she barters, and I come home, she's like, so... I need some <laughs> some meat for tomorrow. I'm like, wait, what? Yep. Uh, what's the value I need to come up with? Yeah, I barter getting my hair done. Mm-hmm. No that's, lie, going to the salon is not done on cash for me, and that's yep. an expensive thing for. I, uh, I do. She got to do some bartering. Um, oh, there we go. It's probably a little bit different. Um, I don't know that you can necessarily call it bartering. We're not talking about going down on Central here. No. In Albuquerque. No. Okay. <laughs> no, we did a meme Don't on that. Don't yourself, did you? <laughs> no, but like, like uh, I don't care where I'm shopping, where I mm. go, Walmart, mm-hmm. Lowe's. I, I'm you ask for the deal. to be like, I'm pretty sure y'all got a discount y'all can throw in there. I have no problem with that. I don't tend to do it so much with 
with um is that low bally with that's home. not really bartering because i think with, bartering with, is trading yeah. right well i'm still giving them money you're trading them currency <laughs> yeah, that's true that's that's true. Like, you are 100 like right st- style of bartering is <laughs> you give me this and i, I walk call, out of your store i won't call you a dummy <laughs> I won't call you a dumbass today <laughs> if you give me that. Yeah. Uh, so that so. is a form of bartering, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Depends yeah. on what the value is. That's right. right. right there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, bartering is, you know, a lost art, and I think we need to do it more. You know who I learned to barter from, actually, was my, my grandmother, so probably... You know, that's how she spent her life. But, man, is she if there is a ding in a can or a label partially torn, she will look for it on purpose to go up to the front to be able to say, get your manager. And, I mean, when I was a kid, it used to embarrass the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. oh when, my gosh. My I wanted to hide my yeah. head in shame. Like, yeah. Just pay the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now I do the same thing. I think my grandma is probably a little bit more of Rodney's approach, like straight lace, like, is this happening or like, not? Yeah, this is what I want. Yeah. Make it happen or I'm Yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you're usually kicking cans and then taking them up there, though. I've never done that. Rodney would not be opposed wrong. to that. I'm just <laughs> saying. That Oops. Somebody <laughs> dropped this. I tripped this. and fell. Oh, my gosh. No, I've never. I would be mortified. I think you would be. I'd be, like, beat red, like, walking up there if I ever did something <laughs> like that. No. But I try to do it with, like, you know grace and be like you know, like i think i have some little easter decorations up there with yeah it's like missing a little egg in the basket and i was like hey this is missing it is it you, you know go. cool if i get a discount on it and she was like 25 percent off and i was like okay cool you know i'll you take go. it and go put a little dollar store egg in there it can be as simple as that or as much as bartering a vehicle i mean that yeah. you know that is the scope of of what we do even trading services you know mm-hmm. like um, you know, I, there may be something that I can't do as far as building a house, you know, like electrical work, mm-hmm. uh, but I can do carpentry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you come over to my house and do some electrical work and then I'll, you know, build you some cabinets or something like that. You know, there, there's a lot of things that you can trade, uh, in that regard. Yep. It's yeah. where cooking skills are good. They're like, I'll come cook for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Food that we all need. That yeah. food. All need food. I oh. think we forget how much power we have as individuals oh, by not bartering. Yeah, right. Well, we get lost in the dollar. Well, not only that, but yeah. not but not doing what you guys are talking about and saying, okay, wh- what can I? What deal can I get? Mm-hmm. Um, we had this conversation when Clay lost his, his thumb. Um, he didn't have insurance, mm. and. I've known people who didn't don't have insurance on purpose because they'll go to the hospital and say, "Hey, indigent care. This yeah. is what I can pay," mm-hmm. and they'll take it. Mm-hmm. The the insur without getting too far down in the rabbit hole, <laughs> the insurance <laughs> come the insurance deal is freaking a scam. Oh yeah, you know. But I th- I and think you're with them too. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, I you think. can lower hospital bills like nobody's business oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So and, and I. Don't feel like that is going too far down a rabbit hole because there are so many people out there that are suffering from that. That I think that needs to be heard more, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. They're they're it business people just like you and I. That's right. Don't so. be afraid to barter. That's the bottom line Absolutely. on everything. Because the everything. worst you're going to get is a no, which doesn't lead you better yeah. off. But you're still worse in off. the same place. It's so <laughs> yeah. it's so funny how how we are so aversive to that word. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Oh, here, no, I'm afraid. Um, it's a word. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, 
All right, cool. I'll go find somebody who'll say yes. Yes, it may right. take me a thousand no's. Right. I've I had it's, that broken out of me at a young age. Um, I love dancing. I love going to the nightclubs, and you're not dancing if you're not asking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are going to say no, but if you don't ask, none of them are going to say yes. I I pretty much did the yeah, same you, thing. You, you, I was a I was a goofy looking kid. I was a real yeah. goofy looking kid. <laughs> But that was all there was to do out in rural. County. Mm-hmm. You would drive. You would drive three hours to go to a dance. But you know, went to a couple of dances, and I was pretty shy because I wasn't. You know, I wasn't a suave kid or anything like that. But um, <laughs> I would notice that like the wall. You know, all the girls would be on one wall. All the guys would be on the other wall. I'm like, well, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Let's go ask. Yeah. Um, the worst they can say is no. The worst that they can say is no. Yeah. And hearing no gets easier every single every time. Every single time you do it. Yeah. yeah, you accept a lot easier. Every listening to some type of sales marketing thing where it said make it a goal to get 10 no's a day. Yeah. So that then you and, – and, ch- and to check the no's off as like – a part of your goal. Now I do see some problems in that, that you're telling the universe and God that you're okay with no, which is not the best thing in the entire world. But there, there is something to that. I think to say that the no's are okay. They are okay. Um, especially if you view it as, you know, well, they're the ones missing out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. They said, no. that is a right attitude right there. Missing out mm-hmm. right there. Um, and the other thing is, you start learning how to ask in a way that gets a yes. Mm-hmm. So failure is never a problem. Mm-hmm. It always leads to success. You can't necessarily have success without failure. Yep. So no is just a word. And do, so to bring this full circle back around into the homestead, Starson and I have talked about this quite a bit, especially since making it a bit more like my only income that well, do I have things that are going on in the homestead where I'm getting no's? Do I need to take some things out of what we're doing and replace them with other things that are going to get us bigger yeses? And I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with a guy, and he said, uh, he's like, I learned this a long time ago from a gal. He's like, I can't remember at the time who said it, but he said, there are riches in the niches. And it is just something that kind of has stuck with me now that I want to make my motto. How do I find my niches? to be able to make the money and let go of the things with the no's. So I'm finding my opportunities through the notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is a positive, turning mm-hmm. that into a positive. When we, when we started, when we started this podcast, there, um, you know, there's always those mm, courses and the guys who are giving talks and inspirational talks about this, this is what you should be doing. This is what you shouldn't be doing. I was kind of listening to, a few of those. I don't get too far into those because oftentimes it's like, yeah, well, I'm already doing all that, so I don't need to listen to you. Uh, but, you know, there's um, there was a guy that, that talked about all that, and he, and he continues to say it, and, and there's a couple of reasons I really liked it. One's because he was talking about failure. Don't be afraid of, afraid of failure, and that's, you know, that's what a no is. It's a failure. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of failure because it teaches you mm-hmm. how to do things the right way. The other thing that he was talking about was don't be afraid of niches. Don't get, don't do general, do specific. Mm-hmm, Cause mm-hmm. especially in this day and age, there's, uh, there are so many things that you can do and, and do what you want to do and make money doing it. 
I mean, if you were to say to most people and say, do you think you could make a living off of showing people how to homestead on two acres? They'd be like, there's no way you're, you're out of your dang mind. But here you guys are doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then you know, the other th- thing he talked to, that he talks about a lot um, is being, being kind. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've lost that. And, and, why are you looking at me when you say that? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> looking at you. I'm looking. I'm looking in the distance above above your head, thinking about what I'm trying to say. But um, being kind, being honest and kind, are like we were talking about at, the relationship building. Yeah, they're looked at yeah. as as weak features in today's society, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. those are the features that carry through in the long run. Always have that have the long sight. Don't. Don't be playing for tomorrow. Yep. I think there's something else that I want to pop into what you're saying because it is absolutely important to what we're doing. First of all, our homestead is is God first, and our mission is to make sure that everybody can feel that when they're here. Kindness and that this is a place where everybody is accepted and loved and that, you know, it's what would Jesus do in, in what we're doing. Um, and Jesus also, he's not above flipping over tables and throwing chairs. Oh, he's not. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to make sure there's nothing going on that he's going to come over here and flip over tables so we're not getting ourselves yeah. into trouble. Unless it's, I, you know. I quote that to, to give myself peace of some mind grace. flipping some chairs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I flip some chairs over there. There's such That's a thing as righteous sure. indignation. Yeah. But <laughs> yes, there is. Um, what that leads me to say next is, is that there is nowhere in the Bible that it says to get lost in the grind and to make sure that it is grace over grind, which is a Bible study that I did this. Yeah. In fact, I think it's, you know, there's a more specific, um, more specific scripture that says men are that they might have joy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm men are that they might have joy i love that you know and that and that is what we want to have here and something you know talking about having provisions for yourself so that you're not worried and lost in the anxiety that you don't have enough so find a place where you're living in abundance and before we started the podcast we spent a lot of time tonight talking about finances and and being secure and god talks about earning enough money that you can provide for your children's children so how do you find that path and i think that a lot of times we get we get stuck in the end goal that the end goal is going to be the best thing in the entire world but the end goal might only be 10 percent of your life so you're spending 90 percent of your life Mm -hmm. not in joy because you're trying to get to that 10 percent point and we miss it we miss the joy and that was my come to jesus moment was Literally having that conversation saying, I lost my joy. And my fun thing became guilt. And that's so easy to get wrapped up in that part of life. And I think the homesteading kind of brings those roots back. Not to say that it's easy. No. Because it damn sure isn't easy. (laughs) It's work, but there's something to be said for work. Um, In my mind, it is is an eternal principle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and so we have we have we've had it easy in this country we've mm-hmm. had the soft life we've had um so many things that are available to us that it makes an easy life and it's easy to get lazy in that life but work is i mean 
work as well. Same we as love it. camping. Yeah. And but the way we camp is work. Yeah. And we get there's the satisfaction out of that. in doing mm-hmm. something and um, doing it right. Yeah. And it's it's something that I was so when we started the podcast before we started the podcast I had told Dana because she was the one that talked us into doing this, um, and but I told her no for a half a year because I was extremely scared that my passion, mm. my love, was going to become work, and I was so scared of that happening. Um, it is not. There's a lot of work to it, but it is. We love doing it. Every everything about it. We've got to meet great people. We've got to sit down and have great conversations with great people about great topics. Um, we've got to share our knowledge, and it's been a great thing. But it, I was very very scared, um, not of the work, not of the time, but of of losing my passion because of the work I was having to do for it, be- it becoming a career and, or a job rather than something I love to do. It hasn't, but I sure was scared of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the way we do things. When we hunt, when we camp, it's hard work. We don't do it the easy mm-hmm. way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think, and the message here that I think we're all saying commonly is is that joy doesn't mean sitting on your butt. No. <laughs> No, you know, that's not. that, that, and that, I think we teach ourselves that, that, that joy is in relaxing joy is in the vacation sitting on the beach side. Well, that's how you then get sucked into the grind, which then leaves you to only 10% joy and you're on the rat race again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and not only that, but if you've ever been on a vacation, you need a vacation after you come from vacation. Yes, because it's Vacations are hard. Are. Yeah. Oh, my Lanta, mm-hmm. they're hard. Mm-hmm. So that 10% that, the, that you just worked for exhausted you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do you make sure in your guys' line of work, like you were saying, how do you make sure that you still find joy in your work and not letting it become grind? And I think for me it's, um, it's when we have a night like we had last night, when we – have a discussion with you know our hundred four participants who um one of the, one of them now has has a kid and thinking about that kid growing up and in, in, in possibly in ten years hunting uh, on her own or in talking to Ryan who after you know harvesting his, his antelope has invited his friends who are outside of the normal hunting circle into his home served him that antelope because again we all gather around food we all have that common interest and that had, in turn has opened up conversations that those people might yeah. not have ever been privy to had they not had that experience had we not um, done what we did and took in time out of our schedules and our you know our home life our work life and just done something to share the passion that we have yep i think for me i've had my like like my my daughter um she sees what i'm doing she sees the passion that i have for hunting she sees the passion that i have for this podcast how much i want to help others and now she wants to do the same thing and that with what and what kyle said um it it 
fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crossing it's generations. That, it's that. that it's that. It's in a, in a in a lot of ways. I think we're doing similar things. You get you know you're mm-hmm. teaching um, because your passion is is teaching. But it, um, when it, when you boil it down, it's service to your fellow man. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We're here to serve. We're here to we serve. Are. And you find great joy in serving. I I remember as a kid growing up that we would do service projects in, in the church, and I was always so opposed to going. It's like, man, this is a Saturday. I could be doing this or I could mm-hmm. be doing that. But I, you, every time I did it, I would do it grudgingly until I got there and I did it, and then the feeling that you get afterward is you're like, oh, I don't know why I was so opposed to doing this. But yeah. It's a great feeling that yeah. you've helped somebody. And I think... That is the just the kind of the common thing that we have is it's it's something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, showing showing your daughter that you can help others and serve others and do it in your niche. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have to do it a way that somebody else does it, but it does need to be done. And again, it's building back that sense of community um, that. It may not be my local community, but it's the, uh, building a community that I'm a part of. Yeah, it's not our local community, but it is our, it is our hunting community, mm-hmm. um, and so it's yeah, it, it's I didn't I never imagined that I would get this much joy out of doing it, but it's really <laughs> cool. It is a lot of fun. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun sharing. Um, what I really like about it, there's a lot of professional hunters out there that are sharing their version um and that's cool that's great but we're we both have jobs careers and i think our brand is a lot more um akin and in line with what other people the normal people are going to experience it's more reality based as opposed to fantasy based Mm -hmm. um most most people you don't spend twenty grand. Don't on spend one hunt. twenty grand <laughs> on, and, and hunt yeah. in five different okay. states. Mm-hmm. We um. we are sharing we are sharing what our target audience is going to be truly experiencing, and how to find joy mm-hmm. in that too. Absolutely. That they don't need twenty thousand nope. dollars to go do that. That they can find the joy where where they are, and hopefully it's within you know a hundred two hundred mile radius of where they live. Mm-hmm. Which New Mexico, we're pretty fortunate that, that there's very fortunate a lot of open space for us to access. Very much. So I think that that's pretty amazing that you guys offer that opportunity. That's your that's your niche, right? It is. That's unique to you. Yeah. Where you're serving others, where they can pass it down, and it already is multi generational, mm-hmm. and that that is really good. Ours is multi generational in the fact that these kids are building character. Neither one of our kids here, and I say ours because there's stars and kids, kids who live with us full time and they own my heart, so they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, that these are life skills and character building skills that they have. Maybe they'll never apply it in the fact that they're going to own chickens or turkeys in their lives, but that they know how to raise an animal and they know where their food comes from and they can prepare their food. And if anything ever does happen in their lifetime where they need to take care of themselves, Stars and I can leave this earth and they'll be okay no matter what. And, and it's educational too, because they may never do those things, but 
they will be aware. They won't be a part mm-hmm. of the community that thinks that milk and meat comes from a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, maybe it won't be hands-on for them. Maybe it will. I mean, you never know. But mm-hmm. but they still know. You know, right. they they know the truth about it. Mm-hmm. And that's just as important. Yeah. And nobody can take that knowledge nope. from them. Mm-hmm. cannot. Um, yeah. So really cool. I love, I love coming and having conversations with you guys it's always right so much fun um to get some different perspectives and some uh quality <clears throat> interaction with how connected out. so yeah. much of it is that's how connected mm-hmm. it all is yeah it really is yeah. yeah well that's what you're doing when you're trying to get somebody to go hunting yep. hunting is one single simplistic act of i have a tag i get to go take an animal for that tag the meal planning, the preparation to get um, housing or some type of sustainability while you're out there in the wild, how to deal with the wild, how to interact with the wild, how to process after you've done that kill, and then bringing it back and breaking everything down that yep. you just got spent two months getting ready. So it's an entire interaction that that one single element of I have a tag involves yep. this entire environment around it that you yep. just talked about. Yep. That, yeah, that ecosystem. Yes, that ecosystem. Yeah, and, and so even and even much. wider than just our sphere. You know, understanding the population dynamics, and the carrying capacity, and the uh, economic economic value, value in it. It's so much. So so oh, interconnected. Yeah. It is. Yeah, we talk about economic impact a lot whenever you're talking about the value of dollar and how different market segments affect that and how far they reaches. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about what our character oh, yeah. impact is, mm. right? When the we're doing something impact. like the spiritual impact, which is the number one reason why we're here, right? And a lot of us get lost in that too. And I think especially Christians in, in our time and day don't voice this love and amazing relationship that we have that we can share with others. But we have that opportunity to do that because we have the freedom in owning our own businesses to be able to do it how mm-hmm. we want to, when we want to, and to come at it with a place of love, mm-hmm. which is missing a lot because I think that a lot of the times we talk about Christianity and politics or schools. And so we lose the joy aspect again. Mm-hmm. So again, your 10% of joy is coming from church. What? <laughs> Why? Why do that to yourself? Yeah. Right. When, when the you, majority of the yeah. time you're not there. Yeah. So how do we pull that? character impact out there that um that input how far can it go yeah. we, we started with that too right with the rabbits <laughs> and here we are talking about it at a human level yeah 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 absolutely mm-hmm. i mean it just it all it all interconnects it's just finding where you fit in that mm-hmm. yep so finding your niche finding your niche mm-hmm. awesome on the untouchable Subjects, right? Yeah. <laughs> there ain't nothing untouchable on this. That's one. right. I love no. it. <laughs> no. While we don't venture there very often, we're not afraid to. This is our yeah. podcast. We do what we want. We do what we want. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> so awesome. Um, so yeah, we have enjoyed this very much. You gave us your information where to find all the stuff. So, uh, any last words? Um, yeah, I think words of wisdom, words or, of, words of or, wisdom, or words of you know, come. 
detriment. Flavor. Check it out. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Movie not detriment, but we I didn't think even talk about the dinner, by the way. Oh, <laughs> we didn't. We, we didn't, talked about the cold um, food coma in the beginning. We did. did that happen on this round? Um, I don't even know. We did. I right. think um, amazing sums it up. Yep. Uh, I so we did I bartering. You guys got meat and trade for for cooking chef. Absolutely, chef preparing stuff and yeah, it we was got game right? meat <laughs> in exchange. So we did bartering and didn't even know it. Right? That's right. Yeah, I we told always you love when <laughs> So just a real quick note about the dinner because you know we kind of started we 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 waited till after dinner to to talk about this podcast. Or to, to do know, this podcast. That was the whole point. <laughs> that was the whole point. So I, I do want to touch on that. But um, we brought two different types of meat. We, we said that. The barber sheep and the deer. I didn't have the bison. We were, I was, I personally was really worried about the barber sheep. Me too. Simply because when I first got it, we tried to do ribs. And it stuck up the house. It was, they were horrible. I don't know what happened. I don't know <laughs> what the deal was. Um, and so I was really kind of like, okay, I hope Starson can do something with this. <laughs> right. And he did. Yes, he did. He did. So tell us what you did with those with those backstrap steaks. All right. So those were uh, just a, a powdered green chili, uh, onion powder, garlic powder, salt, pepper, very basic um, kind of a rub marinade. Just let them. Sit for about two hours mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of whiskey and oil. So the whiskey kind of helped break that protein strand down. Um, that the meat itself was actually great flavor. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course, you can taste the gamey, but it, it's wild. Aged animal. funk. Yeah. Aged, Aged funk. funk. That's the way it Aged should. Funk. <laughs> See, now I've got two names for the podcast: Aged Funk <laughs> and Finder Niche. And Finder Niche. <laughs> Slash Joy. Right. Hey, there we go. Yeah. I like that. And then we just uh, put it in a cast iron skillet because, you know, we always have cast iron around here. And we smoked up the house on purpose. purpose. On Smoked up the house on purpose. Hey, there ain't nothing like the uh, smoke point of butter to get things rolling. Um, And then a uh, green chili and demi-gloss sauce, a little bit of red wine. And that was just our little little topper for that that wonderful uh, barberry sheep steak. Yeah. It was. It was very good. Um, I think if we were to do it again, uh, might sous vide it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Break it. Sous vide it help because it definitely lacks a little bit of tenderness just mm-hmm. from being a wild game animal and being, you know, taken Pretty in lean. the field. Um, that it probably could have hung 21 days. Or at least you hung it 10 days and then you cryovacked it and let it sit in the refrigerator for another 14 days. Mm-hmm. So those uh, the myoglobins and protein strands start to break down from the blood. Without adding more funk. Yeah. Well, it might a little bit, yeah. And the wet age, not as much as the dry age, though. Yeah, just yeah. the wet age. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the sous vide would be beautiful to where you sous vide it for, you know, three and a half, four hours, let it tenderize all the way through at 134 so degrees. Rodney, you're going to go home and use your Instapot sous vide. just a quick sear. I am. Nice. I am. I love that thing. Setting. I with the barbary sheep and get back to us. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. It was a lot of good food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one thing is people don't need to be afraid of wild game. Yeah, it's gamey, but. Man. It's just the flavor of it. Yeah. It, 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 the term gamey, uh, I think, is viewed as a bad thing. Yes. Um, b- but it's really not. I mean, it doesn't taste like store-bought meat because we didn't buy it from the store. We got it from nature's pantry. Yep. You know, and. Um, 
Kyle's all, you said that. No, 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 I'm good. <laughs> um, but it it just tastes different. Yeah. Gamey is not bad. It's just different. And and, uh, and I like how Aaron put it. You know, it's just a little bit funkified. A little bit funk. When you, when you look at um, a lot of the high-end. Oh, they're paying for it. High-end foods. Mm-hmm. You get that funk, like mm-hmm. aged cheeses, mm-hmm. um, dry aged beef. Dry aged beef. Uh, you get that funk. You add, you know. Yeah, you seek it out for the flavor depth. Absolutely. I mean, my goodness, like prosciutto that's been hanging that has funk growing on the outside mm-hmm. that you can see. I yeah. mean, there's. Yeah, you're like, what the funk yeah. is this? <laughs> right? Deer so, tastes yeah. like deer. Mm-hmm. Elk tastes like elk. Uh, barbary tastes like barbary. That's fine. Quit trying to make everything taste right. like chicken. It's not, yeah. <laughs> or beef. Chicken. Now, We're if you want to make your taste chicken. like bacon, I'm, I'm game. I'm on, well, I'm on board. If everything I'm on tastes board. like bacon. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of bacon fat in bacon. the hamburger? That's a little, I don't think okay. that's possible. I, I didn't say that out loud, did I? Um, Can you so take that part my, out of the my, podcast? My doctor hasn't been overly happy with me. But so my sister-in-law, Annie, we we went for a meal and she ordered her meal and she said and a side of bacon and I had already ordered so I was like well dang I just missed out mm-hmm. so I've been ordering almost everything with and a side of bacon it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> and people look at me like what you know because I mean I'm ordering I want an ice cream cone and, yeah and and a side, a side of, bacon. of bacon have you had. Bacon on ice cream? Oh, no, I'm no. sure it's great. Oh, it's yeah. That, oh, maple it's ice cream with sprinkled bacon chunks on it? I'm sure it is. Or it's pralines and cream with bacon sprinkled on it's it? That, okay, don't get me it's started that with the umami, bacon that right. sweet and <laughs> yeah. savory. Mm-hmm. I mean, salty, sweet, savory. Yeah, oh, I love candy Snickers. bacon. That's and one of the best things. <laughs> Snickers and a side of bacon. <laughs> Man, if Snickers could put bacon in their Snickers, oh, oh man. That'd be pretty awesome. That would be pretty I think we awesome. should try to recreate that and put that in there. I could do it. Do it, Chef. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's been awesome. Enjoy, Very enjoyable evening. Great food. Uh, great friendship. These guys have now yep. realized that they cannot come to our house for less than four hours. That's okay. <laughs> it's, if that's you keep fine. feeding us like um, you're feeding us, right? I'm okay. right. I'll, bring, I'll, I'll bring the meat. Every time, if we <laughs> right? <need> to. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh, so. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed the conversation. Enjoyed the the meal. Uh, enjoyed the podcast. And thank you guys very much for having us. Thank you so much for coming and to visit. Thanks for everybody for listening. Um, Tune check, in next. Come time. check these guys out. They're pretty cool. Yeah, Harvesttrail dot com. Yeah. And we do farm to table dinners too. So even if you don't want to come learn, but you want to come eat, we got you covered. Nice. <laughs> You're going to want to come eat. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for joining. Adios. 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 Adios.